there are some rich ones among us, but in God's great design, he keeps most of us humble and trusting him all the way through life, all right? <laughs> That's a good way to say it. We, Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. My name is Thomas. I'm here with my good friend, Daniel. Good evening. And we are privileged tonight to be joined by uh, a David Anderson, one David Anderson, the president of Maranatha Baptist University. Uh, We are glad to have him on as our guest. Uh, We'll be getting to our interview with him in just a moment, but before we do that, I'd like to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together for supporting this podcast. If you would like to join them and financially support this venture, you can do that over at patreon.com slash reason together, and we'd be glad uh, to have you on board. Uh, So thank you to our patrons. Additionally, if you have questions or comments or feedback you'd like to submit, you can send those to reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get right to it. David Anderson, welcome to Reason Together. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Uh, I met you recently when you uh, brought a group of young people from your college uh, to our church, and they sang some wonderful songs, and they fellowshiped with us, and it was good having all of you there. And uh, I got to chat with you a little bit, and I thought, there's somebody I think our listeners would be curious to learn more about, so thank you for coming on board. Would you mind telling our listeners uh, who you are and where you're from and what you do? Uh, Well, I'm Dave Anderson. I serve as president at Maranatha Baptist University up in Watertown, Wisconsin. My trail here has been uh, probably unique in some respects. I, I Really, the reality is, is for most of us, our testimonies are individually ta- tailored by the Lord. Yes. And we are trophies of God's grace all the way along. Okay. And if we can have just a little bit of spiritual eyesight to see what God is doing, that usually keeps us pretty humble and excited <laughs> at the same time. Life, life really is an adventure. Uh, so before coming to Maranatha, this is... I joke, this is my freshman year, <laughs> I, my first year at So I've got one year I can say, I don't know. And then after that, I better know all the stuff <laughs> I'm supposed to know and not, not create unnecessary problems. Yeah, no excuses here. next time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Then I get called on the yeah. carpet. It's, it's <laughs> yes. Uh, we were, I was uh, 12 years as a senior pastor in Illinois. Um, down in a little town called Roscoe, but it, it actually it was a suburb of Rockford, Illinois, and uh, okay. we were just just a few miles actually from the Wisconsin border. So uh, approximately 50% of our church families actually lives in Wisconsin in the Beloit, Wisconsin area. Hmm. Um, so I just uh, rejoiced to be able to serve the Lord there. My wife and I often commented that the, we felt like that church family was a green pasture for us, hmm. that the Lord was just gracious to us. And God was doing some great things. Um, it was part of the hardness of this decision was to move away from what God was doing. Is sure, that is sure. that where you had first pastored or were you somewhere before that? Uh, that actually, that was my first senior pastor. Um, I Before that, 20 years, I was a youth pastor, music pastor. So I served actually after uh, my seminary days, I served in a church in Pennsylvania, out in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, good old Pennsylvania mm-hmm. Dutch country. Uh, for yep. five years, and then uh, the Lord directed our steps to the Detroit, Michigan area, and I was on staff there for 15 years, serving originally as youth, and then uh, as God would design it, uh, uh, the music folks moved away, so I eventually became the, the the music leader at the school and the music teacher or pastor at the church, 
Um, the last couple of years, I was the interim pastor of the church as well. So, so, so yes, sir. backing up even further in the timeline, where did young David Anderson come from and how did he end up in ministry? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a story. Um, so I was born in Denver, Colorado. Uh, my father uh, was a farmer growing up uh, outside of uh, Greeley, Colorado, which is north of Denver. Um, as he, as when he got married, uh, the farm wasn't quite able to support both him and his brother. So he was the younger brother. So he stepped away from the farm, got into the business world. Uh, mom and dad, both my parents grew up in the covenant church, uh, evangelical covenant church. Hmm. So they were both saved, uh, but obviously theologically far different than what we are today in their dispensational or reformed theo- theology, of course. Um, and it was through that business that uh, the Lord Every time dad got a promotion, he'd have to move to another office in another location. So we lived in numerous places throughout Colorado, down to Texas, back to, back to Durango, Colorado. It was in Durango, the first time we were in Durango, we actually lived there twice, um, that my dad uh, set up a business, a meeting with a businessman in town. He figured the businessman wanted to do business with his company. The businessman didn't even talk about business. Hmm. Uh, he, was, he was just a faithful member of Calvary Baptist Church of Durango, Colorado. Uh, and talked to mom and dad, um, invited them to church. Uh, we went for an entire year. Dad, dad and mom were not used to these independent fundamental Baptists. Um, their <laughs> services may be slightly more lively than what they were used to. They had invitations. What's invitations at the end of the service? Um, but it was, uh, and then we were down to Texas and then back to Durango. And it was through those years where the Lord just abundantly grew my folks in the Lord. And I was a young boy at the time. So I got to actually watch and observe some of that. It was there, uh, this would have been back in the early, uh, maybe late 1970, 1971, when my dad was called to preach. Um, and so through a process of working through that, he had never completed uh, college. He'd been in the military uh, for a sh- short stint, uh, you know, drafted and all those kinds of things. Uh, so I uh, needed to go to college, and we actually ended up in 1971 moving here to Maranatha uh, for my dad to attend okay. college. Um, and so we, we grew up, then I grew up essentially in Wisconsin. We, we were here for four years, 71 to 75. My dad took a church, a small church in central Wisconsin uh, for three years, and then planted a church over near La Crosse, Wisconsin. So that would have been in my high school years. And then I came back to Maranatha in my college years as well, and then on out to Lansdale, Pennsylvania to finish up. I had started my grad work here and then finished up my um, Master of Divinity out at Calvary Baptist Theological Seminary in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Okay. So there's kind of the... I was saved in Durango, Colorado as a boy, as a six-year-old boy. Uh, Mom and dad led me to the Lord. What a a wonderful Mm. privilege. Uh, I actually was baptized back here in Wisconsin. We'd moved here and uh, about a year later, I got baptized. I was my claim to fame was there was a church in Jefferson, Wisconsin, which is just about half hour south of yeah. here, um, that we were starting to attend, and they were the church was booming, growing. They built a brand new building, so I was the first person ever to be baptized in their brand new. Baptism. See, I didn't. So, and that baptism is still there today. I didn't so. know they did baptisms <laughs> yes. in Wisconsin because I just presumed the water was too frozen solid. <laughs> They just uh, threw ice that, cubes at there you. Is a good reason for baptistries inside a building <laughs> yes. in, in Wisconsin. Yes. 
and you're grateful for the heater that works. Amen. So, so that's interesting. So your history with Maranatha goes back uh, to when you were a young, like a teenager, a young teenager. Uh, actually, eight no, eight years, eight years old. old. Okay. I was eight years old. Eight years old. Wow. So, so, so you're quite yeah. familiar uh, with it. Yeah, it's been really, I have to admit, you know, you don't see this growing through it, but looking back, Maranatha has definitely been a large influence on my life for most of my, most of my years. So is there a, so, so transitioning from a pastoral ministry to a, a university presidency, how is that? What does that feel like? Crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just is. It's, there are there are some delightful things in the sense um, the Lord. So our former president here, who is now our chancellor, Dr. Marty Marriott, uh, I served as his assistant pastor in Warren, Michigan, for okay. twelve years. Um, it was while he was there that he was called to be the president of Maranatha. Mm-hmm. He had gone to Maranatha actually while my father was at Maranatha. Uh, we didn't know each other. I mean, I didn't know him well. I knew of him as a boy, of course, a little bit. Um, I interacted with him again when he was out church planning in Tennessee, and then I was traveling from Maranatha, and we went to his church, uh, I think a couple times, actually, in some of the travel groups I was with and so forth. So he he had some long history as well with Maranatha. He served on the board for a number of years, and um, and so to to watch him transition to, into that role, and then for him to still be here, um, and we've, we're dear friends. He's just a dear, dear friend, mm-hmm. um, and so he's been such a help. And uh, I've been able to, in a sense, have a little bit of an inside scoop on how that feels, how it works, some of the frustrations that come with it. Um, I'm not a pastor anymore, not in the not in the sense of pastoring right. a church, you know, a God called role. I I do pastoral work around here in the sense of mm-hmm. shepherding hearts and lives, um, and that that is delightful. But it's a different angle. I mean, life at university is just packed. With time, time is just packed. I, I guess yes. that's what I'm looking to sort of draw out is is in what ways do you feel that that's different from going because you're doing pastoral things in a sense, but you're not carrying the role of a pastor. How do, like how does that feel different? Like, I don't even know if I'm asking the question well enough, but how does it yeah, feel different? I, I think you are you're right. Yeah. It. Um, so obviously, I'm. This is my first semester here. So I frankly, I know I'm still in transition, even in in the emotional acceptance of this role mm-hmm. and making where do I fit spiritually speaking. Um, so as far as the the ministry at like a pastor or a shepherding of souls, um, I think it's really important for me to make sure that, that not only the students but our faculty and staff are really working under being shepherded by their own pastors. Uh, one, of the, one of the hallmarks of Maranatha from the get-go has been that we've been, we've, in everything we do, we try to be very much local church-minded. Mm-hmm. We admit we're not a local church, and we won't try to ever be, but we're coming alongside local churches in providing an avenue for them to help their young people and adults be prepared for further ministry, whatever that looks like, whatever that is in that mm-hmm. person's life. And so we're, we're just a help. We're just an aid to all that. So in my pastoral type work here, I need to always, I have to submit, can I put it that way, to 
to those people that are here, they're under their shepherd, and that's their God-given shepherd, and I better never uh, create conflict sure. there. I need to support them and encourage that. But on, then on the other hand, I am with at least uh, specific people, and then at the student body at large and the faculty and staff at large, I am the one that interacts with them on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And so there is a uniqueness mm-hmm. to that role of a word of encouragement. Um, they all of a sudden hit a struggle point. I mean, I've already had people in my office this semester needing counsel and and providing that moment of counsel and then encourage them, all right, go mm-hmm. talk to your pastor as well. Let's think this through, yeah. those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I look at it more as a partnering role. Could I put it this way? I feel like part of the preparation that God had for me in my life for this now given role that he's given me is all those years of being an assistant pastor, being a second mm-hmm. man, supporting mm-hmm. and encouraging and upholding the philosophy and vision of another man. And there's a reality in which I'm doing that in my role here to numerous pastors but then as well carrying out the yes. mission of this, this, this educational institution. So. Yeah. And you're, uh, if I could interject, Tom, you're, uh, you're old enough to have that uh, connection, I feel like, with uh, a previous generation that is significant to have just for having that historical context of, I assume that you knew maybe Brother Cedar home, you know, yeah. at being that early at Maranatha and then at that early or that at that time at Lansdale, were you under Chief Jordan there too? Yes. So you had some strong personalities there and some people right. that we would maybe call icons of fundamentalism. Right. You know, and to have that connection, I think is important. Um, not I do that th- you have pattern yourself exactly, but you're aware of them. There, There is a depth of history um, yes. that the younger generation in particular, our culture is forcing them not to think mm-hmm. about their past. I mean, that's a, obviously it's a trademark characteristic of communism, of Marxism. Mm-hmm. And now we see it in our world, in our culture, and all the woke things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it, life is supposedly centered just around you, pal. Um, and so for me personally in this role in ministry, you are right. Um, I probably will be the last president of Maranatha that will ever personally know Dr. Seenholm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I count that a great privilege mm-hmm. because I, I was old enough and, and then even through, I mean, he was still president when I came to college. That okay. first transition away from him happened while mm. I was in college. Okay. Um, so to, to have that interaction is, to me, a rich blessing. Yeah. And it's not, it can be a guidepost. Can I put it that way? It's, it's not mm-hmm. the truth. The Bible is the truth, all right? Right, We're living right. We're living Christ, but it is a guidepost yeah. to help. Right? I'm excited because you basically just spent the last several minutes answering the question I was going to ask anyway. Because <laughs> um, I was yeah. curious to know how you feel like ministry prepared you for this particular role, even though I know it's your first year doing it. I imagine you're already starting to see ways that your past experience has prepared you. And then I didn't even think to bring in the, the question that Daniel asked about the people that you knew that you rub shoulders with that right. would have rubbed off on you and given you an example of, right. of how to do what you're doing. So um, it's serendipitous. Yes. Yes. One of the joys right now, that's just been a rich blessing. So we have one of our professors in the seminary, Dr. Larry Oates, uh, who's written a couple books on fundamentalism, on church life and so forth. Um, so known some in the, what we'd call the FBFI mm-hmm. circles and stuff because of his writings. Anyway, um, Dr. Oates, 
was he came here the very first year that Maranatha started. Okay. <laughs> yes. We just celebrated. He has been teaching at Maranatha for 50 years. Wow. Wow. 50 years. 50 and he's still years. here. He's still, uh, is that, yeah, he's been teaching in, in some capacity for 50 years at Maranatha. Um, and that's a, that's astounding. Um, yes. But then to still have him here and active, God has given him some physical strength. Uh, so that he actually is still part-time teaching. In fact, I just we just had a, a seminary academic unit meeting this afternoon, and he's right there engaged, providing an amazing amount of history for us, insight from the behind the scenes, all the academic processing that goes on. Um, and so to have that, and he, frankly, as I look over my academic career, Dr. Oates still stands out as one of my premier professors mm-hmm. that I, I rejoice. I still think of some of the classes that I had with him that influenced my work on the interpretive side of scriptures, um, handling of the Greek language, uh, those things. And those are precious gifts and that I can still interact with them now in this role. It's kind yeah. of fun. My professor, I'm now is actually his boss. That just really feels funny to me. But anyways. <laughs> Interesting. Um, if unless you have another question, Daniel, if I could shift gears for just a second, um, well, I would just say one statement sure. before you shift gears is it's a, it's a blessing to me uh, from the outside to see somebody like you in the role to say that here's somebody with pastoral experience and yet the concept of an assistant who senses his need to partner with me as a as a pastor who may send a young person to the college. Now I know it's. You know, in our uh, perspective, I don't send the kid. It's his decision. It's his parents' decision. I can, right. you know, give guidance or my advice or whatever. Right. But it, it's irritating to go, you know, to to send someone off to have them train differently than you believe, <laughs> you know. Right. And so to feel that you have somebody in the office that you can call and say, uh, hey, let's communicate or um, help right. me here or how is he doing, you know, and feel that you actually have a partnership there uh, mm-hmm. is valuable. Right. And the really, let's be honest, the only reason Maranatha continues to stay alive is because pastors and families will trust us. Mm-hmm. I, now, how does that happen? Does it mean that I count out to every opinion out there? No, we, no. we are who we are, sure. read our doctrinal statement, but we are going to do everything we can within those parameters to help the young people that God sends us through churches and families to go back to their churches and families or go beyond their churches and family to another place of ministry, mm-hmm. not, not different than these dear folks have poured their lives into them. And I feel a deep responsibility to try mm-hmm. to do all I can. Now, we're going to tr- teach truth. We're going to do everything we can to sure. academically get them prepared mm-hmm. and ready for ministry. But yes, there's a responsibility there. And if, if I can in some way, and our school can, can in some way serve both local churches and families so that they rejoice with us when a graduate leaves and goes serve the Lord with his whole heart and life. Mm-hmm. Um, then I feel like we've accomplished our 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 little role in the Great Commission, yeah. our little our great role in the in the harvest yeah. field that the Lord's. This is getting creepy because I was going to shift gears and start asking questions about the school, and you kind of started talking about it. So uh, <laughs> you must know something I don't. Sure. Um, is it okay with you if I ask you some more questions about the school, just for my own knowledge and and for the listeners, um, what, uh, what kind of student would you say Maranatha is for? 
Yeah, wow. That's a, actually, the answer is quite broad. Um, years ago, and this started probably uh, earnestly under Dr. Winnegar's administration, um, we, and it, we must, I must give kudos to Dr. John Brock, our uh, former vice president of academic affairs, um, seeing the urgency of having a top-notch uh, accredited education before it was common, and in fact, we received plenty of grief over it because it looked like we might be compromising, which from the inside, I knew that that couldn't be true. That was not the character and heartbeat, but we knew that we needed to have uh, degree programs that folks could take out into the workforce, out into the world, and use to serve God. So Maranatha from the get-go has not just been a ministry preparation school. It is that at its core, at its heartbeat. Um, I'm delighted to tell you that our largest um, college in the university is the College of Bible and Church Ministry that has the most students mm -hmm. in it. And that's we want it that way. We want our seminary to prosper because that, that will influence all of the rest of the liberal arts um, majors, colleges, departments. In the heartbeat for ministry, we want our young people. Here's our mission. We are developing leaders for the local church and for the world to the praise of His glory. We, we want Christians, we, we recognize that not every Christian is called to be a pastor mm -hmm. or a missionary or a Christian school teacher, um, but every, every Christian is called to be a faithful Christian. Mm -hmm. And so from the get-go, from the start of Maranatha, that was a part of our philosophy and, um, yeah. and mindset. Under Dr. Brock's leadership, we jumped into making sure that that was, we, we want our academics, therefore, to be excellent. So now to answer your question... Who is Maranatha for? Um, because our programs are broad enough, and let me just run just a quick gamut for you. So you can come to Maranatha and become a part of our Maranatha Baptist Bible Institute. The Institute is set up for a couple of very specific things. It's for young people that may feel like they cannot academically handle a university level degree. They Sometimes, you know, kids that have been homeschooled, and we're seeing this more and more, they're a little reticent. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I can handle a normal setting. I And they're fearful. And then what happens is they come to MPI and discover, oh, we can do this. <laughs> and they've gone on. Yeah. They've gone on into, um, so MBBI is for those students that they feel like, uh, I'm not sure I can quite be at that level, but I still want further training. And MBBI is focused just specifically on Bible. Is that a one-year program? Um, or It's either a one-year or two-year program. Um, and we have it designed for both. Now, the other huge thing for the, for MBBI is students that are going into the trades. They feel, or God has gifted them, a mechanic, a welder, um, a dental hygienist. And yet, they're coming from a godly home, and the home says, we, we want you to have good training so that you can be a faithful Sunday school teacher in your church, a faithful deacon one day. You need a, more education than just your high school education in Bible. MBBI is that place for them to land. Come to, come to Maranatha for a year or two, get intense Bible training where you have a good foundation, broad picture of, of the scriptures, how to rightly handle them, uh, to know the main thoughts, all those kinds of things, and then go on to mm -hmm. a trade school. Um, so we, you, you start with that student. You come to the university side. Of course, we have students that, that come to be pastors, be missionaries, be, be educate, educators. Um, 
to, to serve full-time in some ministry capacity. And we have, that's that whole College of Bible and Church yeah. ministry. Um, to, to, go, to go to be, you know, English is a second language, folks. But then we have all the liberal arts majors that uh, we like to say, and, there's, and this is not just a slogan, it's a reality. Um, where does God want you? We can help you get there. The joy of our breadth of academic offerings and excellence of academic offerings, there really is hardly any field out there that a Christian would be involved in that you can't go to Maranatha and get the right start to right. prepare you for that. Um, that's pretty cool. I was, uh, I was talking with one of the young men from your group when you all were here, and he said something that I, I thought was actually, it kind of excited me a little bit because... I guess one of the things that I've noticed, even in my lifetime with church planting and pastoring, is that it's it's getting uh, more common for pastors to be bivocational in a lot of parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Smaller congregational numbers and and so on is just going to it's going to trickle down to eventually where a pastor needs to to support himself with his own two hands outside of the ministry as well as within it. and uh, the young fella told me that he was he had a second major in I think he said business, uh, business uh-huh. management or something like that. And right. he said that they're often encouraged there as young men uh, studying Bible or, or pastoral ministry. They're encouraged to get a second major uh, in in business because of that very reason that you might need to employ that and or deploy that skill at some point to help yourself along the way. And I was excited about that because I have, I just haven't heard too many uh, Bible colleges doing that or encouraging that, or even noticing the trend even that we're, we're moving towards a more bivocational uh, pattern. Yeah. That's a reality that, you know, we shouldn't keep our head in the sands if I can put it that way. Um, you, we would love to be back in the day when the economy is booming. Um, you know, people are getting saved left and right. Um, but it's the reality is, is is the work of the ministry is becoming harder. Our congregations are nationally trending lower mm-hmm. in size, um, and we can blame all kinds of things for that. But the reality is, is as we're trying to prepare people for ministry, we need to prepare for that reality and help them be able to rightly serve in those areas. So what what goes hand in hand with this, and I don't know if that young man mentioned it or not, but as we as we explain or talk about these things and even help the young people think through these processes, the other side of the coin that we say is, all right, get your bachelors in a field that you can support yourself with because we don't want you to stop at your bachelors. We want you to move on and get further education and let your master's degree be, be a lot of your Bible training. So another unique thing that Maranatha has been able to do, and others are doing this now too, again, we, we were somewhat a leader in this originally, where you can come to Maranatha and work your program properly. You can end up in four years, end up with both a, mass, a bachelor's degree and a master's. And we, have a, we, we talk about pathways here. So... The sooner you can get on a pathway, where you're, what's your end goal, and what's the education you need to get there? So we have we have number of, young, of our young men in particular that take full advantage of their plan to be in pastoral ministry. So they'll end up with a major, whether it's 
in on the bachelor side in in business, um, in humanities of some sort, um, even some in music. But then at the same time, because we can do some dual credit, uh, because our again because the ac- academic standard is high enough, they are taking classes that are counting both for bachelors and masters, mm-hmm. and so they they end up walking in four years. Now it's work. They 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 can't mm-hmm. lollygag through this. Um, and they can walk in four years with a bachelor's in business and a master's in Bible or, or uh, biblical studies, um, which either those masters can then step right into an MDiv program and you've already got a third or more of your MDiv already completed at that point, which means instead of spending another three, sometimes for some of us, you know, like I was one of the guys that crammed four years of Bible college into five and <laughs> mm-hmm. three years of seminary. Five. Um, <laughs> um, so, in just a matter of a couple of years beyond where their bachelor's is, they could actually be done with their master divinity, and then they have all of these tools ready to go to serve the Lord. Yeah. Um, and that is a unique pathway that, and many we've got. In fact, we've got young ladies that end up with their bachelor's in whatever degree they're in education, nursing, <laughs> um, and then they end up with a bachelor of. Uh, ma- I'm sorry, Master of Arts in Bible. And they're prepared and ready to serve in the local church, teaching God's word, whether it's to the children or to even even adult classes, because they've had a, a thorough Bible training. Um, that's just, to me, we're, I think we're trying to maximize even what we see as a tragedy. Right. No, that's okay. We're going we're gonna, to you know, help you be prepared and ready to serve the Lord right. in unique ways. So. Um, do you have a question, Daniel? Because if you don't, I have another one. I would, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm formulating it in my mind and thinking, no, this is way too broad of a question to even be able to answer. I guess I just seeing the position where you're at uh, to say, we're trying to keep our ear to the ground to cultural changes. And though you have that anchor point, that guidepost, as you said in the past, uh, and just reading today through, through the, uh, through the college magazine, how yeah. you're, you know, trying to craft the leadership in such a way that it's most efficient and effective, you know, um, you're trying to see the challenges ahead and, and navigate in such a way as to, you know, keep on top of things. I guess my question is, how do you keep your ear to the ground? How do you how do you see cultural changes that need to be addressed? Is that just by surrounding yourself by good men? And, you know, I mean, how do you? <laughs> there are several things, actually. Um, so obviously, I, there are men that seem to be gifted at being able to keep their ear to the ground. Mm hmm. We have several here. <laughs> um, I, I, and that's huge to me because I don't view myself directly as one that that is that's able to stay on top of all this. Um, there's there's much work to do. I feel like my my strengths are in other avenues, but I must, especially in this role, I must do that. Uh, we must be able to quickly adapt. So we actually, and this again, um, I'm not trying to beat an, a, a drum. But a part of the accreditation process has forced our hand. So we have to give an account and we need to be prepared. In fact, uh, as we think through all of our programs, accreditation has caused us to think, what's our end game for these programs? What are we trying to produce? Where, where is the culture going and how do we address it with our specific majors? So that has helped us. So we have an entire department called institutional research. <laughs> mm. And we have... We have a man that is so gifted in that and helpers that they spend their days calling data, (laughs) going over 
And then I, I will say that our CEO, Dr. Matt Davis, uh, has a gift at that. He's a lawyer. He thinks critically mm-hmm. about life and and seems to have a knack for that. Our Dr. Marriott, our chancellor now, former president, he's got a gift for that. And believe me, I pull their chain a lot. I listen to them well. And then we move from those men help us and others, by the way, um, help us through that process. So though I'm, if I can put it this way, though I feel like my role in many ways is to keep us anchored. We're going to stay doctrinally straight. But how do we, how do we adapt to the given culture? How do we live out our right doctrine in the current culture that we live in? And culture is always yeah. changing. I, I, I'm glad you said that because I think one important cultural change that Maranatha has made um, has been online education. Um, and I, I tr- this is a true story. If I could bore you with a personal story for just a second, back when I first entered the ministry, um, I, I asked a man cause I was considering going back to school and I asked a man who was affiliated with a particular college. Are you, are you ever going to offer online classes? <laughs> and a true story. He laughed in my face and yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bore you with all the reasons why he said they weren't going to offer that. Why did Maranatha offer that? Thank you, because that's an excellent question and really an exciting and amazing testimony of God's grace to us and and direction. So um, it was not. It was not without uh, much discussion. <laughs> For us to, to delve into that. And again, I'll have to give kudos to Dr. Marriott. He was um, on the board at this, this, this uh, pre his time as president. He was on the board and he had the foresight. Here's again, dealing with our culture and seeing where education was going mm-hmm. and where it would land. He foresaw that and he realized if Maranatha is going to continue to be viable, just staying alive. Um, and continue to work in this industry that is coming alongside helping churches, um, we must, it's not, we sh- maybe we should, it's not, no, we must get involved. Now, to do that, though, you think, and many people will not ever know the infrastructure that it takes to accomplish that at a proper and high level, so that your online classes are not a simple little videotape mm-hmm. you kick in, watch, and, you know, send off your homework, you know, the, the old <laughs> mail order, you know, mail order degree. degree used to talk about. And they're still out there, by the way. <laughs> we weren't going to do that. That would not, that would be dishonoring to our excellent mm-hmm. God. To have infrastructure means you have to have money. Well, can I have some fun here for a moment? We're an independent fundamental Baptist <laughs> Um you know, and our constituency are a bunch of independent fundamental Baptist churches and families. I There are some rich ones among us, but in God's great design, he keeps most of us humble and trusting him all the way through life, right? <laughs> That's a good way to say it. We, <laughs> um, and so we needed, we needed a miracle. And I'm using that in the broad sense, not in the theological specific sense. Sure. We needed a miracle. For God, and God did that for Maranatha. So there are times we call it the second miracle of Maranatha. The first miracle of Maranatha was its founding. And what God did to provide these facilities here initially is an amazing story of God's intervention and grace. 
um, of God's forgiveness um, and challenges in a division from Pillsbury in those days, all of those things. And we see it as the great God, God's good hand. Um, we are undeserving of his grace, but we praise him for it. And the same thing happened when we were able to get contracted with Genzabal, which we still use to this day, um, to give us the, the, the infrastructure um, to actually be able to produce what we have today in our online and our online offerings so that you have you can now take many of your classes miss we can do it virtually so you're sitting in live classes online uh, mm -hmm. you can take it online look at the recording later all of our mm -hmm. programs are carefully set up um, all of our recordings are carefully set up uh, classes so that you can do several different ways to get it accomplished depending again on your need and so part of dr. Marriott's even vision he realized for people to move to Watertown, Wisconsin is a difficult thing in our, as our economy shrinks, as our socialistic government, frankly, continues to, to pull wealth away from families. And how can people in ministry get the education they need? And the answer was offering a robust online program. Now, can I, I'll be honest with you, he also understood that we probably financially needed to do that to stay to stay flying. Um, so there is there is a, in the in our country at large there's a there's this terrible demographic that we in our industry have to face. There's a decline in the population that's still yeah. going on, um, and you you just have less kids going to college because there's not as many of them. Um, right. I, I will say part of that sadness is the sadness of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. That's mm. that reality mm. that we're dealing with now because mm. of the decisions 50 yeah. years ago. Um, and that's still facing us, and that's culturally changed, so families are smaller. There's just not a, as many yeah. kids out there. So for us to offer the online and to help men and women in ministry that need to further their education but can't, they, there's no way they can move a family here. Right. Um, but then to help kids that their families are not, really well off, but they want to get a college education for their kids, online is a, is a, yeah. is a tool they can use. They're not paid for room and board. Now, we want them here. We think there's huge value to the on-campus right. experience that we will never give up. We, we feel that that's critical for the well-being of so sure. many. But anyways, so that's part of the reasoning for what all happened. Excellent. Thank you. Um, now, I want to make sure Daniel gets a chance to ask more questions if he's got them, because I still have two more before we jump into the after show. <laughs> Do you have anything? I've got one for the after okay. show. So um, you go ahead. All right. And so two one. questions before we jump into that uh, after show. Question number one um, is, and I don't even know. I, I don't. Okay. You'll have to tell me if you think the question is too broad or not. How how as a as a Bible college do you prevent students from just learning answers and instead teach them to think about the scriptures? How do you effectuate that in your educational model? Right. Um, that's actually not too broad of a question and a very appropriate question. Uh, there is a level at which a school is a school is a school. It's mm -hmm. and uh, but we we have very intentionally placed within the programs a lot of practicums, and now here here again so that helps. So every one of our majors 
they have to go out and do something in their field, even under while they're still in school, engaging in some way in that work. Um, and so that helps. To answer your question directly, though, here's, here's to me what is the joy of Maranatha Baptist University. Because we admit that uh, we're, we're just an organization that comes alongside local churches, Maranatha has from its get-go been very engaged in making sure that our students are not just going to church. Hmm. We, we will never have, we'll never have a church here on campus in the sense of a, a church that's run by the institution mm-hmm. that theologically doesn't abide in our hearts well. <laughs> um, but what has happened is we send them out to local churches within the area here. We have approximately 62 what we call partnering churches mm-hmm. um, that actually we have students that go to. They are of like faith and practice with what we're striving to accomplish here. Um, they are are our near and dear friends, and the students are required. Mm-hmm. They've got to churches now. We can't force their hands to do all kinds of work in it, but we, with those partnering churches, uh, we've got a group of great pastors, yeah. can I put it this way, that see the value of those students and they engage them in the work of the ministry. Yeah, good. So that, that really helps. Well, I guess to, to be more specific, as far as the actual educational model that is used in the classroom setting, <clears throat> uh, in person or online, as far as communicating with professors and, and faculty and staff and so on, um, I think it's important at an educational institution that students be permitted to ask really hard questions, even questions that might make professors angry. It has the potential to, because I think if someone's going to get a genuine education, they have to know that what they're being taught can be challenged and defended. Correct. And, and, and I'm afraid that maybe some institutions in our circle have, in a sense, discouraged hard questions as, in, in, as a sort of, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's heresy in the student body. It's, it's challenge from the student body and so on. But I think there has to be some of that. And, and I, I guess I'm sort of wondering how Maranatha accomplishes that uh, and still maintains uh, its its semblance of of doctrinal purity, because I was I happen to have been looking on the website, and this is the second yeah. question that I have, so it kind of leads into the second and the final question, and then we might have to take it into the after show. But uh, I found a particular statement on your website uh, there at the school that intrigued me very much. Uh, that sort of has to do with student agreement with the doctrinal statement of the school. And before I, in fact, here's what I'll do. I'll tease it for the after <laughs> show. Spit it up, but never mind. Yeah, we're going into the after show. <laughs> Hold on. I'll, I'll tease it. If you're listening to this and you are not an elite patron, <laughs> sad to say, this is where the ride ends for you at the moment, unless you go over to patreon.com slash reason together and join up at the elite level, then you can hear the question I'm going to ask in the after show. Uh, but uh, that being said, I do want to thank our guest, uh, David Anderson, for being Absolutely. on this episode. Uh, you've been a gracious guest. We appreciate you very much for answering our questions. Uh, we've got a few more for you. We're going to head over into the after show uh, for a moment. Anything you want to finish with before we do the outro? 
Yeah, just want to. Just want to uh, remind folks that we're always uh, open to their questions. If they have a thought that they've just, uh, just some random thought, they say, how does this connect with scripture? Or how am I supposed to work this in life? And you'd like us to bounce it around, please feel free to uh, send it our way, Reason Together Podcast at g- gmail.com. And uh, maybe it's something in reference to what you've heard today and a question you might have or a comment or some feedback or a different perspective. Send it to ReasonTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, Christmas is just around the corner. You can go to the ReasonTogether.fm and uh, go to our store, pick up a podcast t-shirt for the one that you love, and uh, we'll appreciate it. Excellent. And we will put links in the show notes to everything that we have about Maranatha Baptist University. So you can just click right on that as you're listening, go right to their website and read in real time as you're hearing the president of the university talk about the school. Anyway, that being said, thank you for being with us. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.